This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 85. Show notes for this episode can be found if you go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 85. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Hello, shameless moms. I have a confession. I've had a relapse. My people-pleasing disorder is like back with a vengeance and it's become problematic. So I'm going to share with you two ways that this has interfered with my life recently. And maybe you can relate, especially being that it's the holiday season. And um, maybe you've been there. Maybe you have some tips for me. That would be great. I would appreciate the help. I'm, I'm kind of struggling. And also, I think you might get a few good laughs from, from the two areas that I'm struggling as a people pleaser. So I'm going to start with our seasonal thing here. So for Christmas, we decided to adopt a family and we've never done this before. So with my gym here in Seattle, we always do some sort of Christmas. Um, we've done toy drives. We've actually done toy drives multiple years for Treehouse, which is an organization that works with foster kids. So we've done that multiple years. We've also done um, other collections and contributions to the community and especially to the, for the homeless population here in Seattle. So we've always done something around the Christmas time season, but I wanted to do something within our family, especially now that Vinny is four he's starting to understand a little bit about gift giving and a little bit about like other people's needs, not to say that he really cares about them or chooses to acknowledge them at all. But I'm thinking like, it's time that we can kind of get him involved. So I've mentioned this on the last couple episodes that we were going to do this adopt a family for the, for Christmas. 
we decided that we would in with adopt a family we're doing it through the YWCA here in Seattle and you can designate how many children you want to what size family you want so we said we would do a family with three kids and so we got the information from the family and it was three little girls a two-year-old a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old so then within that also comes a little gift wish list for each of the children and then on top of that we're supposed to also do a gift card for groceries for the parents and in our situation I think it's just a mom and then there's these three little girls so we get the gift lists and I start looking through them so the way the gift lists are organized is that um, you're given a list of a few items for each children and you're supposed to pick two items off the list that are like 35 to 40 dollars each you gift each child two gifts that total like between 70 and 80 dollars so we get the list and i'm looking through and the two-year-old i'm like i mean we'll get her some stuff but like she's not going to remember or know and so or totally understand it so i'm not as concerned with that and with that i'm like we're going to be kind of practical like she needs a snowsuit we'll get her a snowsuit she needs some clothes like we'll get her that stuff we'll get her like we did get her one little toy thing um some duplos duplo legos which of course if anyone to keep for himself. <laughs> but with her, I was not as concerned with the older girls, nine and 13. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I want to be really careful and be like, be as careful as specific as we can with these gifts. So what happened is that the mom provided the information and what what the girls wanted. And then I started shopping around. And thus began the people pleasing. <laughs> so the older daughter had requested some clothes and like boots, she wanted like pants, shirts, boots, and a bike. And so I'm like, well, obviously, like, I don't really want to get her clothes. That's not that exciting. And she wants a bike, which is probably like really exciting for her, but definitely well beyond the budget of like 70 to $80. And so I was like, well, what are we going to do about that? And wasn't quite sure. So I post to Facebook and I say, and I, we haven't bought Vinny a big bike. Like we've gotten him. He has two scoop bikes that we've inherited, <laughs> so, which are balanced bikes. Um, and then another neighbor gave us like this little bike with, with, um, a little tiny two-wheeler bike that has pedals, not a balanced bike. Um, so we've just kind of gotten like hand-me-downs for bikes. So I'm like, I don't know where you go for bikes for kids. And like, yes, we have bike shops here, but if we go to a bike shop, I'm like, this is going to cost me like $700 or something. Like this isn't going to be a reasonable thing to do. But at the same time, I'm like, we have to get her a bike. Like this is the only really, the only thing she's asked for. And so I post to Facebook about wanting to get like, where do we get a 13 year old a bike? And what size do we get? And I also I email the woman who's organized this whole adopt a family drive. And I say, we want to get this little girl a bike, but I, it would be helpful to know how tall she is. So she emails the case manager of the case. So this family must be getting like other services. So they have a case manager. And and then she emails me back and she says, the case manager doesn't know how tall she is. So just get her the other items on her list. And so then I was like, all the more like, oh my gosh, like this woman, the case manager isn't going to find out how tall she is so that we can get her a bike that fits her. Like now I'm kind of angry. So like, I'm for sure getting her the freaking bike. I'm not getting this little girl clothes for Christmas. So I post on Facebook and I'm like, okay, there's a 13 year old girl. Here's her shoe size and clothes size. Does anyone have any idea what size bike would be appropriate? And I'm so lucky because I have all of these friends and clients who are moms of teenage daughters who were able to advise me about an appropriate size and everything and give me some great resources in terms of where to go. So that was all really helpful. So I start looking around and I'm like, there's nowhere to get, like, I don't need, I don't want like a super cheap, cheap bike, but like, there's not there's like all bikes are kind of expensive. And I'm thinking like, if we go all out and get this, 13 year old, like a multiple hundred dollar gift item, then it kind of impacts what we're able to get for the other kids. Like we don't have an unlimited budget for this adopt a family thing. 
But at the same time, like, I don't want to get her clothes. So I'm super stressed out about this bike thing. So I finally tell my husband, I'm like, we need, we're going to go to the store. We're going to go look, um, either at Target or Fred Meyer, which Fred Meyer is like our local, uh, local ish version of Target. So like, we're going to, going to go look at these bikes. And in the meantime, people on Facebook are like, go to REI and like, get her this brand and like all these things, which are like minimum $300 and off many of them more than that. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not spending that kind of money. And for this little girl who probably has pretty simple needs and like, it doesn't ask for a whole lot. I don't think that she cares about having a super fancy expensive bike. I think she just wants something that works. And so we got her something and my husband did a once over on it and made sure it was like in good condition and like all kind of, um, tuned up after we bought it from the store and everything. And then I, it occurred to me like, well, if we get her a bike, we have to get her a helmet. And what if she rides it to school? Like we also get her, have to get her a lock. So this is just like more and more adding to the bill. Right. And so then I'm thinking, well, if we're getting her all this, like we, at the very least we have to get the nine-year-old, like something kind of comparable because they both know what's going on and like, we have to keep it fair. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever, and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you, and you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 50 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners 
listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. And this comes from the person whose mother, my mother, used to make sure that my sister and I always had an equal number of presents under the tree and that she spent exactly the same amount of money on both of us. So that's like, that's a lot to manage, but she did it somehow every year. It was like a big deal to her. And so this is how I'm thinking going into this. I'm like, well, they have to like, all the girls have to have the same number of presents to open. And then like, we have to spend about the same amount of money on all everything. So I'm getting super carried away with this. And my husband is just like, they're going to love anything we get them like stop stressing out. So we go to shop for the, the nine-year-old and she's requested this like doll nursery set which comes with like a little like pack and play. It's like a little miniature pretend pack and play and car seat and um, high chair kind of a thing, which by the way, as a child, I would have loved. This was like my dream gift. Like all I wanted was a baby doll nursery with pretend furniture. So I'm super excited to get this for us. So I find it and we get it. And the one I could only one I could find, like they were sold out of the, the mom specific or asked for a specific one, a specific brand, but they were sold out everywhere. So I couldn't find them. So I ended up getting her another one, but it was actually even more expensive. It was the only one I could find though, but I'm like, okay, well maybe hopefully it's at least like good quality. It'll last a long time. The two-year-old can play with it. And then she wants a couple other things. So we get a couple other things. So I get her the things on her list. And again, like we've gone over budget for this little, for the middle little girl. And then on the last day, as I'm freaking out about having to go get the oldest daughter, a helmet and a bike lock, I decide that I'm like, Oh my gosh, like the middle girl, what if she doesn't have a baby doll to go in this furniture set? Like this furniture set comes in this box of, and it's like three or four items are in the box. And on the front of the box is a picture of a baby, but the baby doesn't actually come with the baby doll does not come with the set. So I'm like at the store, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the store and I'll just get her like kind of an inexpensive baby doll, but like something that, so the just to ensure that she actually has a doll to play with these things. And so I go to the store and I'm looking and they have like tiny little baby dolls that you would give to like a two or three year old, but like the only baby doll that they have that you would give to an older girl, they only have white ones. And in reading through the limited information I have on this family, I'm like 99% sure this is not a white family. And I'm like, I'm not going to give her the white baby because this is not a white family. And like, that would be like, I don't know. That just doesn't seem appropriate. That doesn't sit well with me. So then (laughs) by the way, I have like two hours until I have to drop all this stuff off across town in rush hour traffic. And it all has to be wrapped in like this whole to do. So, so I go to this other specialized toy store where they only have toys or kind of fancy expensive toys. And I'm like, okay, I need to find like a, a a baby of color. And so I'm looking and I, I find one, but I don't, it's, I think it's too small for the furniture. And then it's like 60 bucks. And I'm like, I'm not spending 60 bucks on this. And I don't think it's going to fit that well anyway. So then I go back to the first store and I'm like, okay, fine. I guess I just have to get her this white baby. So I get her the white baby and I'm like totally stressing out about it. And then I come home and I frantically wrap all this stuff. Oh, and then in the meantime, I'm worried that the older daughter isn't going to have as many things to unwrap. So then I go out and get again and get her a pair of slippers because she also had slippers in addition to wanting clothes and uh, boots. She wanted pink slippers. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get her pink slippers. So I go out and get her pink slippers. So I've been to like four stores in like, I don't know, three different trips and and over the course of an hour running all over town. So I get everything back at the house. 
I'm wrapping everything. We have a bunch of other stuff from their list that we've put on there, some of the smaller stuff. So luckily we had wrapped that the night before. I frantically wrapped the last like five or six items that I had gotten on Monday morning. I get the gift card for the mom. I get it all ready to go. And then I'm like, I have to drive across town and rush hour traffic. I have to drive back to my house and rush hour traffic to pick Vinny up in time. And this ends up, my husband comes home from work and he's like, so how was your day? And I was, I was like, well, it was fine. He's like, what'd you do? I'm like, well, I did adopt a family stuff the entire day. And he's like, well, what do you mean? He goes, we wrapped everything last night. But like, what did you do? I'm like, well, you know, cause I decided that I had to go and get like this helmet and the bike lock. And then I decided that the older little girl didn't have as much to open as the middle girl. So then I had to go out and get her slippers. And then by the way, the middle girl, like, I didn't know if she actually had a doll at home. So I decided she needed a baby doll, but I could only find a white one. So I had to go to like multiple stores and he's like staring at me. Like, who are you crazy woman? And as I'm telling him all this, I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Like, I didn't need to do all this. And the thing is like, I'm glad I did it all. Like absolutely no regrets. But I got like, it, it, in addition to like, I'm happy that I did it. And I was, it was, I, it wasn't an unenjoyable experience shopping for these girls. I was totally, I really actually did enjoy it. But I got a lot of, a lot of anxiety about it. And I was like texting with a couple friends about it. And I was one mom in particular, and she was, they did adopt a family as well through the same, through YWCA. And she's like, yeah, like we were really stressed out about getting the right gene size for their, one of their kids. And I was just like, this is what happens. Like you want to make this experience so great for, for your adoptive family that you like, can be very consuming. I had not anticipated that. And I feel like the people pleaser part of my personality came out at like this like new all time high because I felt very responsible for these little girls having a really great Christmas. And so I went to therapy the next day, which will be another, the second part of my uh, people pleasing issue. So I went to therapy the next day and I'm telling her this and she's like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> she's, she's like, do you hear yourself talking about like wanting to be like the perfect, like adopt a family mom? And I'm like, I know, I know it's so bad. And she's like, you know, could you have done it a different way? Or like, did you need to put that much into it? Did it need to be that consuming? Did it need to like produce a bunch of anxiety? And I was like, I know, but like, I can't help myself. And when it comes to, I think it's like when it comes to having that kind of opportunity to help someone, you just have, there's like this desperation about wanting to do it really well and wanting to make something really special for someone else. And so this got me thinking about Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies. So Gretchen Rubin is the author of The Happiness Project and Better Than Before and Happier at Home and a handful of other books. But she talks about the four tendencies and these are kind of like personality types. So the four tendencies are upholders, questioners, rebels, and obligers. So upholders respond readily to outer and inner expectations, meaning that you respond to what other people expect of you and to what you expect of yourself. Like you live up to those expectations and you really push yourself to meet them. Questioners question expectations. They'll meet an expectation only if they think it makes sense to them. So those are people who are like asking a lot of questions, maybe like uncertain, a little bit skeptical of things. Rebels resist all expectations, inner and outer alike. And then obligers meet outer expectations, but struggle to meet expectations they impose on themselves. So I am definitely an upholder, like through and through. So if I tell someone I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it like 110%. Like I was the kid who, if extra credit was ever presented as an option in school, it was not optional in my mind. Like I was going to do the assignment, the regular assignment, get a hundred percent on it. And I was going to do the extra credit and get a hundred percent on it so that I could get like, you know, 104% on my homework. 
And this was like crucial to me to the point that I didn't understand how people who played sports growing up, I'm like, how do they have time to like do their homework and their extra credit? Well, they didn't do all the extra credit, first of all, and they probably didn't do their homework to the same extent that I did because getting 100% on everything was not a top priority. Like for them, doing well in sports and like the homework and maybe, you know, being a little bit less diligent with the homework was maybe more of a priority or some sort of balance between the two. Not to say that they were necessarily negligent in one area or the other, but just like they were comfortable with like, I'm going to give 80% here and 80% there, or maybe hundred percent in sports during a certain season and 70% on my homework during that time. And then maybe that would shift in the off season. So, but for me, like if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to freaking do it and I'm going to do it the best I can do it. And I'm only going to say I'm going to do things that I know I can do well. So like, I'm only going to say I'm going to adopt a family if I know I'm going to let go all in and make it really great. So in talking with my therapist about this, I was, I brought up this whole thing of Gretchen Rubin's personality types and, and the four tendencies. And I was saying like, yeah, I'm definitely an upholder. And by the way, I'll link to these four tendencies and those descriptions over in the show notes here. And you can find that over at shamelessmom.com for um, episode 85. So uh, I was referencing all this to my um, therapist and laughing and saying like, yeah, because I'm an upholder and like, I can't help myself. Like I have certain expectations of myself. I have expectations or I, and I want to meet expectations of other people. So I'm like, I'm not going to let down this mom. I'm not going to let down these little girls even though this is all done anonymously, by the way, like they don't know that this is my family. They don't have my contact information, (laughs) but at the same time, like I couldn't bear the thought that like one of the little girls wouldn't get something that they really wanted for Christmas, or they would think one of the siblings got more than the other or something, something like that. So this is ironic as I'm talking about this in therapy because I'm trying to break up with my therapist. So let's just talk about that for a minute. (laughs) So I decided this has been kind of on and on and off for a few months where I've been thinking we've kind of, you know, I, we, I originally started talk, going to therapy with my husband because we wanted to figure out if we were going to have a second child and how we were going to go about that if we were going to do it, which as many of you know, if you've listened, we ended up deciding to go through IVF to uh, try to have a second child. We never made a super conscious choice. We made conscious choices to like get information. I called it information or data gathering. So I did a lot of research about IVF and then I started going to these like consultation appointments to get more information. And I just kept on going to the appointments to get more information. And so after a certain time, it's like we'd collected all the information and I'm like, well, at this point I've been here like seven or eight times and like done all this like pre-work. So it only makes sense to keep going. And so we never, it was never like, okay, like sitting down with my husband and talking like, yes, we're going to do this. It was just like, well, I'm not going to stop now because I'm already this far in. And so we kept going and we ended up doing IVF and it failed. Going through therapy during that time, my husband came for, as we were making the decision around some of that, and then he stopped coming primarily because of his work situation. He wasn't able to to uh, leave work. He was no longer working from home and able to get away midday. And then that kind of had been the plan all along. Like we would make come, we'd do some joint therapy around this decision. And then when we worked through that, then I wanted to continue doing some therapy. So so I continued doing therapy, but I kind of got to this point where I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of through the things that I want to talk about right now. Like there's certainly more, there's definitely other things I could talk about. Like I by no means think that I like dealt with everything I could deal with in my life. By no means do I think I like revisited everything that should be revisited or, you know, became a more like arrived and enlightened human being. But for the time being, I'm like, I kind of feel like I've gotten, I mean, I really just wanted to get through this like IVF thing. There was some other things I had a lot of anxiety when we first started, when I first started going. And so, and that were specific to like some situational things that I worked through. And so 
that was really helpful. But I'm like, you know, I'm kind of through this anxiety. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. I feel like I have some good insight into what triggers anxiety for me. I also feel like we worked through like the whole fertility thing and we came to an end in that. Like there's still parts of it that are sad to me and there's still parts that I'm definitely emotionally dealing with, but I'm feeling like comfortable doing that on my own. So for the last couple of months, I've been thinking like, I'm probably doing okay. Like I probably don't need to keep going to therapy. I think therapy is great. And I think if you have unlimited time and money resources, like by all means do it. But my therapist is out of network. So I'm paying out of pocket and it's cuts into the middle of my day. And it kind of just the way my schedule is right now, it wasn't going to be working come January, I had some new opportunities coming up on the day that I have therapy. So it wasn't going to continue working from a schedule perspective. So there was kind of a number of things where I was like, you know, I think it's time. So I started thinking this a couple months ago, but I don't know how to say it because I don't want to like hurt anyone's feelings, you know, like my therapist. And this is how people think, right? Like no one wants to hurt their therapist's feelings. I'm totally rolling my eyes at myself because like, who thinks that way? That's so ridiculous. But (laughs) I started thinking this a couple months ago and I'm like, well, I don't really know how to say it. And I don't want to hurt her feelings. and I don't want to think she did a bad job. And so I'm like, by not, I'm caretaking my therapist essentially by not saying anything. And then I would go in sometimes and have sessions where I'd be like, well, that was actually really good. And that was really interesting. And that was productive. Like it's, I should still be here. This is good. But I kind of got to this point where I was like, I really need to say something. And I have this opportunity to be part of a group on what that meets at the same time on Wednesdays, starting in January. And I really want to do that. And so it makes sense for me to kind of draw a line in the sand and be like, I'm going to take a break from therapy and kind of go from there. So probably over the last two months on like three or four occasions thought like today's going to be the day I'm going to say something when I go to therapy. And then I would like get there and I'd be like, no, I can't say it. I don't know how to bring it up. Like there's never an opportune time to be like, Hey, so I'm thinking about not coming to therapy anymore. It just felt like so awkward and uncomfortable to me because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings because I need to be a people pleaser all the time. So finally, two weeks ago, I have like 10 minutes left in my therapy session. And I'm like, actually, there's something I need to mention to you. And I'm thinking this is going to be like a pretty casual thing. So I'm like, you know, I have this opportunity to um, participate in this group on Wednesdays, this entrepreneurial group for it's kind of like a mastermind thing. And it starts in January. And so I think this would be a good time for me to take a break from therapy. And so my therapist, she seemed a little bit surprised, but like not like overwhelmed or anything. And we like talk about it and she kind of, she's like, well, you know, I mean, like we've dealt with some stuff. I definitely think there's more we could deal with. And, you know, there's some things we've touched on, but we haven't gone deep with and things like that. And so, and we kind of talked about it and, but then I said, I said, well, I'm going to come through the rest of December. And so we can, you know, kind of figure out like how we want to finish this out in the next few weeks. And so I leave and I'm feeling like kind of good about, I'm like, Oh, okay. Like that's fine. And whatever. And so then I go back last week and it's super weird. Like I walk in and she's like, well, you might've noticed, you know, I was really surprised and you totally caught me off guard. And I didn't really notice any of them. I was like, Oh, I didn't notice that you were off guard and you didn't seem that surprised. And she was like, you know, you maybe you've never, you've probably never seen me, you know, in that way before. Like you've seen, you, you probably haven't really seen me really caught off guard. And I was just really caught off guard. So we had this really interesting conversation about therapy and about like my expectations versus hers. And that like for her, she sees people for like years on end and my expectation, which we never talked about, but I was like, maybe like one ish years and it had been like a year and a half. And so I was like, I don't know, it kind of seems like time to wrap it up and I don't need this to go on forever. And I kind of just felt like I got what I needed out of it for the moment. And so when we were talking through and she was talking through her surprise and everything, I found myself like trying to caretake her in this situation. So I'm like, you know, I have 
three sessions left and I'm spending my time and money now on like, how can I take care of my therapist? So she feels good about that, this ending. Cause like, I'm good. I'm totally fine with it. Like I made up my mind a while ago. I just didn't say anything. And so now I'm like seeing all these things. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, because I'm such a people pleaser. Not only have I like waited too long to say something about this, but now it's been like so shocking to her that she's like emotional about it on the verge of tears. She's upset. I feel like I've hurt her feelings. Like now it's super awkward and uncomfortable for me. And I kind of just want to get out of the whole thing. And I mean, I do feel bad. She's like, she's a great lady. She's a great therapist. But at this point, like this relationship is not working for me. And especially the more we talk about ending it, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just done. Like I'm done. I've, I've, I've kind of made this like boundary around like, I'm done with this, the nature of this relationship for the time being. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. But I'm having a hard time like walking my way and walking and talking my way out of it because I'm feeling uncomfortable with the the way that she's handling it because I don't know how to like, I don't want her to feel bad. And I'm so it, can you see how awkward this is? Can you see how I'm having this relapse of being a people pleaser? So here's what I'm having to remind myself. I'm having to remind myself that boundaries are a really good thing. And being a self advocate is essential. And these are things that I feel like I'm generally 
good at. Like these are things that I've learned how to practice over the time, over the years. And these are things that I really feel like I I've done a good job of like learning what to say yes to and what to say no to, you know, and my like whole philosophy is like, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. And for me, like therapy right now is not a hell yes. So that means it's a hell no. Like it's pretty cut and dry. Adopt a family. Like that was a big hell. Yes. Like I want to do it. I want to do it really well. So I'm pretty good at like identifying things, but then it's interesting if you are an, if you are an upholder and you have that personality type, it's really hard to back out of things when you feel like you're letting someone down or you're feeling like you're not like meeting an expectation. And so this is my current struggle. So I have a week left of therapy and I really want to cancel. I have one session left and I've promised that I won't cancel because she even said to me, she goes, I'm, I could see you canceling the last session. And I was like, oh my God, how did she know? Cause I was already like, had been thinking for like 20 minutes prior to her saying that I was like, I'm totally canceling the last one. <laughs> so now I'm like, I cannot cancel it. I'm not going to cancel it just because she said that I'm not canceling it. So I've learned that I need to work more on being less of a people pleaser and really taking better care of myself because now at the end of the day, I've actually spent extra months in this relationship. It's one thing like with the adopt a family thing, I've spent an extra day, like I spent an extra day running around deciding on like, which baby should I get? Is it okay to get the white baby? Is that offensive? Or like, you know, how many presents is the older daughter going to have to open? I have to run out and get her pink slippers in addition. So she has the same amount of gifts to open. So that's like, you know, it's a lost day and it's a lost day for a great cause. But the thing with this therapy is that I've gone on with it for longer than I felt like I needed it because I didn't really know how to get out of it. And I didn't, and I, I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And I wanted to like leave, you know, a comfortable situation, just let it be and let it be comfortable. But it was like at my own expense financially and at my own expense of time, um, giving up days, you know, where I have to like run across town in the middle of the day. And then oftentimes I'm gone for like a few hours, um, because of, you know, I'll end up doing other things in that part of town. And I'm like, oh my gosh, by the time I know it, like my day is gone. So my lesson has been learned. Like I need to be a better self-advocate. I need to be more protective of these boundaries when it comes to people pleasing. I need to put my foot down and I need to listen to my instincts. And I just actually did this, um, did an interview with Elizabeth D'Alto, which will be in a couple, will be um, airing in a couple of weeks, but we talked about like intuition. And I'm so fascinated by this idea of intuition because I feel like when you're an upholder, you don't follow your intuition because you are very concerned with meeting inner and outer expectations. Expectations. And so you oftentimes bypass your intuition because you are not wanting to let someone down or you're not wanting to not perform in a situation. And that is for sure me, like having a hard time listening to intuition, like having a hard time even acknowledging, like, what is my intuition? What? I don't even know where it is because I'm too preoccupied with what do people expect of me and how am I going to meet those expectations? Or what do I expect of myself because of a certain situation and how am I going to meet that? And so like, I'm going to plow through that. You know, the perfect example would be, I went to this great talk with uh, Nardia Norman, who's, who's someone I'm going to get on the show. I'm working on booking an interview with her, but she's a um, personal trainer in the fitness industry in Australia. I think she's in her, I think Australia or New Zealand. I'm pretty sure she's Australia. And I know like they get a, she'll be offended if she's really from New Zealand. Cause I know people can get offended if you label them from the wrong country, um, but pretty sure she's Australian. And, uh, she did this great talk a couple of years ago that I went to when she was here in Seattle about women exercising and how, and exercising through your menstrual cycle. And so she was like, you know, 
you're actually like your body is going through certain things like on the, maybe on the day that you start your period or maybe leading up to that or whatever, where actually like, it's not in your best interest to exercise. And I'm listening to her and she's like, you know, if you pay attention to your body and like you have cramps or you feel a certain, like maybe you feel more lethargic or you, she's like, these are all things that are like legitimately happening to your body. And your body is telling you like, I actually need you to slow down a little bit right now because I'm working on doing these other things. And so she's like, that's, it's actually very legitimate that like you maybe would want to work your workout schedule around the needs of your body based on your cycle. And I'm listening to her and I'm like, this is hilarious because like when I have cramps, I'm like, well, I'm just going to push through it. Like I'm going to ignore it. I'm just going to totally like shut down my body giving me signals in order to meet some sort of goal that I've set for myself. And so I have spent my entire life ignoring my body telling me things because of trying to meet certain goals. So I've been trying to be more aware of that now. And it's so interesting in the last couple of years, I'll try to be more aware, like on a day when I'm going running and I'm like, okay, like I got my period today. I'm actually going to like slow it way down on purpose. Whereas it, before I would have been really annoyed that I had cramps and I'd be like, I'm going to do sprints today. Like I'm going to make it even harder for myself because I'm mad that I'm feeling like limited by, by my period or whatever. So I've been actually trying to do that. And in other workouts where I'm like, oh, you know, normally I'd lift a little heavier, but today I'm going to back it off a little just as a practice of like listening to my body and listening to what it's trying to tell me, because I really think it takes practice. If you are an upholder and someone who has this crazy burning desire to meet inner and outer expectations, I think it totally makes sense that you would ignore your own intuition and not even be able to find it because you have spent so much time trying to meet expectations. And so you don't even know what is inside of you. So I've been really trying to listen to this in the last year or so, and it's made a difference. I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it, obviously, given by the stories that I told today, but I have started listening more to like, where do I want to go professionally in the next five to 10 years? Like that, there's going to be some big shifts there and it's going to look different than it looks right now because I'm not going to do it based on expect outer expectations of myself. I'm going to do it on like, based on like where I really want to be. And some of those places are like big, scary, exciting, fun overwhelming, daunting places and daunting, you know, um, tasks lie ahead to get there for sure. But these are the things like I really want to do. I have this like burning desire. And then there's other things that I can readily identify that are holding me back where I'm starting to notice like, okay, like these are the things that I'm going to have to adjust. And these are the things that I'm going to have to shift and change in my life on different, you know, personally and professionally if I want to do these other things, but I'm listening to like, where do I really think I want to be? Where do I think my greatest strengths lie? And where will I be the happiest professionally if I take some, some leaps in the next five years or so? So I'm starting to listen to that. Also starting to listen to like, how do I love parenting the most? You know, we've talked about me recognizing, like, I thought I wanted to be a stay at home mom and I tried it. Not so much. So really listening to like, you know what, I'm actually a way better parent if I'm a working mom. And I just today was emailing with someone who sent me this, who sent me a great email about her experience and her experience similar to mine, like trying to be a a stay at home mom and really, really struggling with it and deciding that like, no, this is not what's best for me. And so she is going, she's putting her child in childcare after the new year. And I was, I really admired that decision. Like you have to really listen to like, this is not working. I have to do something else. So my moral of the story for you is like, look at, especially if you are an upholder, or an obliger, if you're someone that really pushes yourself to meet outer expectations, 
where can you start listening to those little voices inside you a little bit more? Where can you start listening to like, actually, these are the things I really love. These are the things I really want to do. These are the things that really like get me excited and passionate and make me happy rather than sitting in situations that are just kind of like, meh, <laughs> like I could give or take like my therapy situation. Like it wasn't really doing a whole lot for me the last few months. I was really ready to move on, but I didn't know how to do that. And I didn't listen to my gut. Instead, I kind of just stuck with it because I was like, well, I don't really know how to get out of it. And like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I'll just leave well enough alone. But in the meantime, I've like, it's cost me time and money. And so, you know, there's a lot of other things I could have done with that time and money. So where are the areas where you can start to recognize like what you actually want and desire versus doing the things that you think you should do because of maybe it might be inner or outer expectations. And as we get close to the end of the year, I think these are really, really important questions to be asking. Like, what do you want to be doing with your, with free time, which I know free time is a joke as a mom, but what do you want to be doing with your free time? So these little moments that you have to yourself, what do you want to be doing with them in the new year with your goals around, you know, wellness? What do you really want to be doing? Like, don't say you want to run a marathon if you hate running. This is the most common thing ever. People are like, well, you know, I think I want to run a marathon and I'm going to start training for a marathon, but like, I hate running and I've never run more than 10 minutes. Like if you really want to do that, if that would make you feel great, do it. But you could also like maybe start taking a boxing class and boxing is like super fun and engaging and helps you get out aggression. So like maybe doing that would be more up your alley than taking up running. Like if running's not your thing, don't torture yourself to do the thing that's not your thing just because you're like, oh, well, this is like a big goal that I know people do before they turn 40 or something along those lines. So really listening to like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do professionally? Do you want to maybe be looking in a new direction within your current career? Do you want to be looking into a totally new career? I had this client a few years ago who was kind of at a crossroads with her job in the corporate world. And she ended up leaving her job and going back to school to become a baker and start baking. And she was so excited about it. And it was like her family. I mean, this was like a huge sacrifice for her family financially. It was a huge sacrifice professionally for her in that moment um, in terms of walking away from a career that had a lot of, you know, um, security and stability about it. But she knew she made the right decision. And she told me about it. She was like crying. She's like, I'm going back to school. Like I'm going to be baking. And she was so excited about it. Like it didn't matter if they didn't have, you know, if finances were tight for a couple of years while she went through school, it didn't matter if she walked away from a career that was a lot more lucrative at that time. And potentially, you know, more lucrative than what her career might ever be as a baker. She was so excited. And then when she was doing it, she was like, I'm having the time of my life. Like she had to get up at like four o'clock in the morning to drive across, across town and go to classes. She was like, this is the best thing ever. She's like, I'm exhausted, but I've never been happier. So she was listening to what she actually wanted to do rather than just doing the same thing she'd always done because it's what brought in the money, because it was what worked for her family, because it was what she'd always done. Again, those outer expectations, she stopped listening to outer expectations and she started listening to her intuition and following her gut a little bit more. So how can you do that professionally in the new year? I think these are all really important questions. And we're going to be talking about this with, with this episode, um, upcoming episode with Elizabeth D'Alto as well. So that'll be a few episodes, a, a couple weeks from now. But before then, just start asking yourself these questions, because I think they're really important questions. And I think you can learn a lot from analyzing the situations where you feel stuck and the situations where you feel like, oh my gosh, this isn't where I want to be spending my time or my money or my passion or my love or my energy 
but I feel stuck here. Like what can you do to start reversing those, those patterns? What can you do to change the situation? What can you do to really start acknowledging your gut and acknowledging the voices and the, um, like the burning desires in you, which maybe are barely burning because you don't really let them shine through. And how can you let that really help you kick off the new year in a really positive, a really strong, open way, being open to opportunities, being open to, um, maybe new expectations of yourself. So I know that I, for sure, I'm going to be working on that in light of my little relapse here as a people pleaser. I'm going to be working on finishing out this relationship with my therapist. I'm going to be working on like when I go to meet other people's needs, could I do it in a way that maybe doesn't like torture myself quite so much? (laughs) And can I be okay with like doing 80% instead of 110% on everything. So that's where I'm at with all this. So I hope this has been helpful to you. If this episode has been good for you, if you are a people pleaser, or you know a people pleaser who would like some help and assistance, please do share this episode. And we have new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So you can find all of our past episodes at shamelessmom.com. You can also get links to share episodes from there. You can go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 85 to get a link for this episode. If you'd like to share it out via email or social media, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at the shameless mom Academy. And we have all of our episodes there as well, where you can share them from those platforms. So please do leave a review. If you've enjoyed the show, you can do that at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And thank you for spending time with me today. I know that, like I said, time is a limited commodity. So it's always an honor to be able to spend some time with you and an honor to be a part of your week and a part of your life. And I really appreciate you. So enjoy the last little bit of 2016. And no matter what you do in these last few days, as we end this year, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.